So David, you and the Policy and Advocacy Committee and the Quality Committee and your colleagues on the Policy and Advocacy team have been busy. Well, yes, we have definitely been busy. Um, but but I also have to say not half as busy as our members have been. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it's been fascinating as the, the national media has really picked up on issues related to the vulnerability of the, the patient population to COVID-19 as well as the effects of COVID-19 on the kidneys and just the central role that nephrologists, nephrology nurses, and other kidney health professionals are playing to address this pandemic. It, it kind of leads us into one of the first things I wanted to bring up with you today, uh, because really it kind of, it, it begs the question, um, are we doing everything to make sure we have all hands on deck? Um, and that's something that we are really concerned of, making sure that as we go through this, that we have not uh, done anything to hamstring ourselves. So we have, you know, done licensing issues um, so that people can work across state lines, and that has been great. That's been very helpful, I think. But we want to make sure that, by the same token, 25% of our doctors are international medical graduates, um, and there are some issues that are involved in visas and workforce issues. We want to make sure that we have all of these people who are here legally or planning to come here legally are able to continue to contribute to when we need them the most. Clear that nephrology as a specialty has really benefited from, in the United States, has really benefited from international medical graduates. Of course, ASN's current president, Indukram Agarwal, was, was born in India and initiated his training there and then completed it here in the United States and has been you know, both a, a clinician and educator and a researcher here and has contributed. So I think you know, just to give a sense as to the role that nephrology, that, that international graduates have played in nephrology in the United States and ASN as an organization. So I'm curious as to what some of the activities um, you've been working on, you know, specifically from a policy perspective. Well, these really are kind of things that uh, are have to do with visas. They have to do with the Department of State and the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. So, I mean, those are programs that are pretty regimented. They have very strict rules and very strict guidelines. Um, and we want to make sure that those don't become cumbersome at this point. But first of all, one of the things that was really important was they did resume visa processing at embassies and consulates for physicians and medical residents um, as emergency and mission critical visa services. That is something we were pushing for. We did get that, um, and we were really, really appreciative of the Department of State for helping us on that front, um, and we think it's really important. So that. That was one of the first steps, and that's really important. Um, but we want to assure that those policies will continue to identify physicians as important for national security in terms of health. Um, and that's really important. I mean, we are now entering a phase where a lot of things have been done very quickly, and what we need to do is, is carefully evaluate on the policy side which ones uh, we really need to continue to push and are really important and which ones might expire too soon, and we want to make sure that that doesn't happen either. Um, we want to get ourselves even more prepared for the summer and the fall to come. So that's one of the things that we want to do is we really want to protect those policies. Um, so we do want to continue to prioritize physicians and medical residents. It's just, just there's no doubt about it. Um, and we need, we also need um, citizenship and immigration services 
to be able to really work with the extensions and changes in status uh, for physicians um, in, in, in medical residence. Uh, and that may also can also include somebody working in an area that is now where they're needed that was not the one that they were originally approved to go to work for or work in. So that's those are really critical steps to kind of keep that process open and not let the process get clogged up. That's really important. So David, the second issue, and there's sort of two parts of it, so it's sort of um, 2A and 2B. So the first would be within the research setting, efforts to restart research laboratories. Um, what type of work have you been doing in this arena? Well, I think that we're that this is more nascent, um, but we are really beginning to focus on it uh, because our members are really concerned. A lot of uh, grants have been made. The, the clock is ticking. Um, some funds have been expended, but a lot of the work is not being done, and particularly in trials uh, where patients are not really able to come in and participate in trials. Uh, so th- there's some of the research is okay to be done at home and, and you know, that's, that's fantastic, but some of it is not. And as we look at kind of all the pressures that are going to be on the healthcare system and also on administrative costs for large institutions, we see that this is um, a, a real concern that we really need to get back to where we were. Kidney, you know, ASN, if we look at it historically, and you know this probably better than anybody, Todd, um, has really worked hard in the last five years and, and more, but really critical to get people within the world of research and we, and within the world of funding research to understand how important kidney research is and how vital and how urgently it is needed. So our you know our members are saying this has really caused a big detour or or kind of a really big challenge the COVID-19 situation. Um, and so during this pandemic, a lot of the work has kind of halted or greatly slowed. So what we're looking at is ways in which uh, ASN, both through policy and the Kidney Health Initiative um, and any other organ of the society that can be used to make sure that we get this engine restarted properly um, and that we don't lose a lot of valuable time and a lot of valuable research funding. I'm struck that the first issue around the, the nephrology workforce and the second issue related to restarting um, uh, scientific labs really dovetail nicely into the third issue, which is the confusion around the future of the National Institutes of Health's T32 program. Um, can you just bring us up to speed as to what's happening there? Well, I mean, that is, uh, we, we mentioned our president, uh, Dr. Agarwal. Um, he also has been really a strong advocate for us trying to get to the bottom of this because the uh, National Institutes of Digestive and Kidney Diseases, NIDDK, announced that basically they were going to discontinue participating in the T32 program and that I think in, we characterize that in ASN's letter to them that, that this is a war, workhorse program that has really been important and been really a strong backbone of a lot of research. Um, so there is, uh, you know, they're, they're moving forward with a different approach in terms of funding, uh, which we will be seeing very shortly. But nonetheless, this did catch a lot of people by surprise. And so ASN has asked them to provide some bridge funding 
um, for those who are in the process of competitive renewals uh, in the program. Um, they they also have asked some questions about how the rationale of, of limiting the number of eligible programs to fewer larger institute network awards. Um, so that's kind of something that we don't seem to be, um, it doesn't seem to be making sense to us. I mean, like I said, this is the, the T32 program is a workhorse. It's in the training of physician scientists and scientists in nephrology. It just, that is just a kind of a reality uh, for what has happened in the last couple of years. So we want to know where we're transitioning, why we're transitioning to another uh, funding opportunity, and what it's going to look like. So um, we are watching that very closely. ASN has voiced its concern uh, quite loudly and quite clearly uh, to NIDDK, and we do hope that um, we can get someplace uh, very soon where we get clarification and that really keeps um, access to research available for nephrologists. Yeah, it's an interesting issue, and I'll be curious to, to hear more of the rationale from NIDDK. I know they did have a, a series of meetings where they were really trying to do everything they could to make sure that this program was as, as powerful as possible. And I know they heard a lot from the, the trainees who had received the funding or were in, in programs that had received the funding. I think that's also going to be clarified as, as part of this, this process. You mentioned NIDDK. Um, the final issue that I had was around um, ASN's efforts to um, increase funding for both NIDDK, specifically around kidney research, and kidney acts. Um, what's the status of those efforts? Well, this is a very big priority for ASN um, and, and many, many others in the kidney space, like ANMA and also National Kidney Foundation and just pretty much everyone who really works closely uh, in on this. We have advanced a request on Capitol Hill for a large amount of funding that would be very critical to dealing with research around kidney specifically and also COVID-19 uh, and for reasons that we think are, are quite uh, clear. And that is on the Hill. Now, what we said is this. Of those patients who require, require intensive care and end up in the ICU, we're talking about as high as 30% of them end up with kidney failure. I, I know that these numbers are still being you know, collected, and so at another time we may have a different number, but we know it's a large number. We know that it's really significant. Uh, so AKI is very much present in the ICU with COVID-19. So we don't really know why. And we talked recently uh, in another one of our podcasts with Dr. Daniel Weiner from Tufts, and he really laid out the case for how important this funding is. So what we're doing now is we've got our request from Capitol Hill with a large number of other kidney community members, and it is for $100 million, and this would be for the next package. If, if it does come out of Congress, the next package is being talked about. $100 million for additional funding to NIDDK. Right now, one of the problems is anything that's going on in NIDDK on the subject is actually taken away from funds that were allocated last year. And so, therefore, you're, you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul. So, we were asking for $100 million in emergency supplemental funding for NIDDK, specifically around kidneys and COVID-19. And the second part of the ask is we're asking for $200 million for kidney X to meet 
these challenges that people with kidney disease are facing and are going to continue to face. So, uh, you know, let's face it, where, where Kidney X is planning to take us, you know, would make a great deal of difference for many, many people in terms of possibility of wearable kidneys, transplantable kidneys, of all types of therapies. So, and Todd, I mean, you know as well as anybody at, um, at ASN how important Kidney X is to kind of the future for both nephrologists and really for kidney patients. Yeah, it's interesting because as I'm thinking about these additional appropriations for NIDDK and Kidney X, the $300 million does not seem like much when you put it in the broader context, both in terms of what the Medicare program spends to care for people with kidney disease and kidney failure, which is you know, more than $115 billion a year, as well as what's likely to be an increase in the amount of people with kidney disease and kidney failure um, as a result of COVID-19, but also, as you said, and as Dan Wiener nicely articulated in the podcast, all the different research questions that need to be answered as, as quickly as possible. Absolutely. And these are critical for patients. They're critical for what might happen in a second wave of COVID-19. Um, and the sooner we can get this research underway, the better. You're right. I mean, I don't want to be dismissive. $100 million plus $200 million, that's a lot of money to most people in this world. Um, and I, it's a lot of money, but it's not when you compare the cost of both kidney disease and the cost of COVID-19. So we really do need to advance these. And this is investing in the future. Um, and I would hope that that Congress sees uh, that as a, a really good place to, to invest in right at the moment. So just as we wrap up, I'm struck as I'm sort of looking at these four topics and maybe sort of summarizing them in a different order. The, the T32 program is mostly ASN working directly with NIDDK to clarify sort of their vision for how this program will work moving forward. The funding request for NIDDK and kidney acts is broader in the sense that it really is the entire kidney community or most of the kidney community coming together behind these two important um, research advocates, you know, these two research enterprises. Um, the issues around restarting labs is really the entire sort of medical research community, again, much broader than ASN or nephrology to, to involve, you know, all the different entities that support research in this country and, and around the world. And then finally, the issue around visas and immigration is much more cutting across the different specialty societies um, in the United States and all the different types of, of physicians and, and how some specialties like nephrology um, rely more on people who've trained abroad and born and trained abroad and other specialties where it may be less, but still the community coming together to support an adequate physician workforce is, you know, at this moment in time, but also as we move forward. So it's a lot of activities with, with very different stakeholders, depending on the, on the topic. So it really is interesting. It, it kind of, I liken it to, I liken it to being very, just very indicative of what it's like to deal with nephrology and kidney, uh, kidney disease. Um, we talk all the time about the fact that kidney patients generally come with a lot of comorbidities. Uh, and there's a lot of issues that need to be addressed in their, in terms of their health. And they all have to be balanced. And if they're not balanced, uh, it's not good for the patients. It's not good for their health. And I think we're in a very similar situation here 
with kidney care in terms of all of the things that we're facing normally with kidney care, and then you add in COVID-19, and it really does require or just a holistic approach that really looks at chronically all the different things that need to be addressed to make sure this comes out with the outcomes that we would like to see come out with. David, thank you for everything you're doing. It was great to talk to you and catch up. Thank you, Todd, and it was great to talk to you again. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the American Society of Nephrology.